Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. This is episode 547. Um, we're recording this live on Friday, the 13th of November, around 8.30 Pacific Standard Time. I've got a really great panel. I've got some great stories. I think we're in a feast of WordPress and internet uh, articles and opinions coming up. We've got two great um, guests. I'm still classifying Heather as a guest, but next week she will be officially a full-time member of the panel. And we've got returning Brian Gardner. Brian, thank you so much for agreeing to come back. Unfortunately, Brian can't stay with us for the whole of the show. Um, he's got to deal with some personal matters around the pandemic, but not too terrible, though. But... Um, He's part of the country's going through a terrible period, but I wish them all um, the best. And I'm sure the panel also wishes anybody that's suffering from the pandemic at the present moment a speedy recovery and a recovery for their friends and family. Um, Before we go into the main parts of the show, I want to talk about our great sponsor, that's Kinster. Kinster Hosting, um, if you've got a WordPress website, a WooCommerce, a learning management system, anything that needs more power, more reliability, Kinster's a good place to look at it for, um, for yourself and for your clients. So I suggest you go over to Kinster, have a look at their packages. I suggest also that you should buy one. If you do that, please, please mention that you heard about Kinster on the WP Tonic Show. So let's go straight into our first story. Um, Themes team removes updates, CSS guidelines, adds stricter requirements for links and content. These titles are getting longer and longer for the tab, and I don't know. Sally, what did you think of this one? Um, It sounds like uh, one of those uh, overdue moves. Uh, I think that... Uh, making the content links, et cetera, uh, more specific is probably a good idea since we had that little snafu a while ago. Um, I've never submitted a theme to the repo, so I wasn't even aware that, you know, there were certain uh, uh, classes that you had to include and et cetera. Uh, So I don't know that this is going to be um, all that uh, uh, dramatic in results, even the... uh, even the comments are fairly mild relative to <clears throat> relative to some of what we see on the tavern. Okay, what do you reckon, Brian? I'm at an interesting stage right now in my WordPress career. Are you? I, are you? Are you, <laughs> Brian? Tell us. Tell us more, Brian. Uh, yeah, you heard it here. No, I obviously have been doing themes since, gosh, 2007. Uh, and back then was about the only time that I had ever been submitting themes to the repository. And of course, back then it was like WPThemes.net or something like that. Uh, And then, you know, a few years after that, we launched Studio Press and everything was premium. And so therefore we didn't have to sort of adhere to any of those um, requirements, albeit uh, Gary Jones, a a very talented member of the Genesis community and, and greater WordPress community, uh, always insisted that dot sticky and dot by uh, comment author or what, whatever the other class was, was always within our style sheets and they were always empty and, and stuff like that. 
I, I've got a love hate relationship right now with, with theming and WordPress and all of the changes and all of the, the requirements. And to be perfectly honest, uh, my next sort of gig, the current gig that uh, I launched uh, just recently is sort of WordPress theme agnostic in the sense because I just didn't have the stomach anymore to sort of jump through all of the hoops and with all of the changes. I'm like, I'm 46. I've been running with this crowd for how long? And I just, you know, things felt so stable, you know, relative uh, to where they're at now and everything's moving. And it just, to me, it's like, it's kind of like ad blindness when I see an article like that. Now I'm like, ah, you know, whatever, because that's the least of any of all the worries that I think are about to go down with with things being delayed and things being pulled in and pulled out. And so I, I, to be perfectly honest, I don't have many thoughts about it because I just, I'm kind of past that stage of my life within WordPress um, to give it too much thought. Well, that's really interesting in its own way <laughs> that you say that. And you're coming on my other podcast in the near mm-hmm. future to talk about your new product yep. and service, aren't you? I'm looking forward to that and to hear more about it. So, I, you're not going to totally give up on WordPress. That would be ridiculous, Brian. You are the granddaddy. Oh, you're the granddaddy of WordPress, Brian. Yes. No, I, I'm not leaving WordPress right now. Uh, I have over the last couple of years in, in my angst days uh, have said, you know, I'm going to just build a CMS. I'm going to find someone to build a lightweight, <laughs> minimalist CMS because mm. I feel like – in and the tavern is a great um, vehicle to to learn about all of the new things, but some of the things that I see coming through, like blocks for this and blocks for that, I'm like, okay, this this is getting out of hand. This is too many things for too many people. Uh, it it misaligns with just my general philosophy of, of less is more and stuff like that. And so I'm very conflicted, uh, and I've probably been no further away from considering other CMSs than I've been right now. Like I just got to be perfectly honest. It's just you know, it, it's the most popular thing, which is why everyone's using it, but they're trying to get more people. And, you know, like I appreciate Matt and everything that he has done specific to my life and the trajectory it went because of WordPress. But right now it's, it sometimes feels like a hot mess and like, you know, like. Sometimes it is a hot mess. <laughs> well, he's hot, he's hot, and, and he's I think hot that, mess. Yes. Also, I think trying other content management systems, I mean, you know, part of the reason that WordPress is where it is, is is on account of uh, looking at other content management systems yep. and realizing that, uh, you know, WordPress is deficient in, in some ways and therefore, you know, changing the trajectory a lot in ways that I think mostly are ultimately good, but that make for a pretty awkward transition. What did you think, Chris? Is he with us or is he frozen? Oh, I think he's frozen. After um, over to Stephen. What did you think, Stephen? Oh, he's back. Oh, he's back. He's back again. Shall we go back to Chris? What did you think of this, Chris? And you're looking um, very mod there. <laughs> the, uh, or, is it, or is it Bono? No. The the thing I would just add to this is that um, I recently had a, a audit done to some of our sites, and this idea of underlining links came up. And having it be an accessibility feature, and once I I really wrapped my head around it, I, I was pretty sold on it. And it um, for a while, yeah, I know it's not new, and I realized that especially for the visually impaired, the um, the way we were doing links, they just weren't visible. So I, I'm kind of behind some standards here for sure. Yeah. But what did happen though is if we made it a global situation, 
a lot of the non content links, it was just too much underlined, but I see in the guidelines of addressing that. I think it's a good move. Um, I mean, going back to a simpler linked internet, uh, just as a standard sounds cool and, and definitely dissuading, um, you know, links that are kind of for intentionally trying to be hidden inside the content and just making a link a link. I'm, I'm okay with that kind of decision. All right. What did you think, Stephen? Yeah, anything to move the world forward and accessibility, I think, is a good move. Um, and the interesting thing um, kind of that Chris was bringing up is that accessibility often leads to an interesting thing with simplicity, that it's oftentimes when people get a little too complex, things become less and less accessible. Um, and so I think there is this cool thing that will be happening is that as we start thinking through simplicity, you also become more um, it's more accessible for everybody. If things become more accessible, things become more simple. Um, and I mean, if you look at this article too, about just some of the updates and stuff, WordPress is always, you know, updating, changing things, a lot less controversial than the JavaScript update, which is also an article um, here. But uh, it's it's necessary and important to keep pushing things forward. And WordPress can do a lot by pushing things in the accessibility direction since so many websites use WordPress. That's great. It'd be okay, Heather, if I move to story two and you can start with you can start off story two. Um she's nodding her head. That's her heart. That's good. It's nice to have cooperative panelist members. It's an unusual experience for me though. But there we go. <laughs> Our um discount, discount, you discount, we both lose. So Heather, what did you think of this one? You're still muted, Heather. Sorry, Tell me, sorry. Um, so yeah, like I think that uh, the idea is that uh, you get into this cycle of everybody discounting everything and, and uh, that um, it's, it, it, you need to charge for your services the way that, that uh, I mean, you, you can't just keep, um, if everybody decides this is what something costs, then we are we can't undercut each other. And, and that's, that's what we keep getting into. Like, okay, well, uh, if, if you're going to charge 99 cents for something that I'm going to charge 90, 98 cents, well, then I have to charge 97 cents. And then, oh, well, suddenly nobody's making any profits. And, um, instead, if we all just agree that like this thing is worth the amount of money that it costs to make, and the, it's worth the profit that, I mean, it's worth your profit on top of it then um, we all do well. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the same thing that's been going on forever. And it actually ties into another story we're going to talk about too. But yeah, I mean, I, I completely agreed with. So Brian, um, pricing, it's a nightmare, isn't it? Um, and I don't know when you were running Studio Press, what your policy about C Cyber Friday, Black Monday, what all these days... What was what was your philosophy around discounting and special discounting days? Um, and I would and I would say this if he was sitting next to me, so I'm comfortable with this. Uh, are you, are have, you, Brian? I can, I, I can quickly make you uncomfortable, Brian. I have, a, <laughs> I have an uncanny knack of that of being able to do that. 
so so Brian Clark uh, from Copyblogger was uh, the CEO of our company back in the day. Uh, the very early stages of uh, Studio Press were, were all me and whatever I decided to do. But once I merged into Copyblogger, the, the marketing, the promotions, all of that stuff sort of fell in his lap. So uh, we very often and frequently... Uh, capitalized on Black Friday sales. And then even I think once or twice a year, we would do like a pro plus, like totally blowout type of thing. And it usually hinged around wanting to grab a bunch of cash, um, you know, within a, a week span, right? Hey, let's, let's, let's do it for that, that purpose. Um, I, I have a, a love hate relationship with the idea of, of pricing down and discounting and slashing and stuff like that. Uh, in fact, I got so angry about it a couple months ago. I wrote a post about commercial distancing, which was about the race to the top versus the race to the bottom, and how um, how just the the nature of and I think Heather was saying, you know, just undercutting and undercutting. And I'm like, you get to a point where you're selling for something that you're angry about selling it for because you feel undervalued, and all of a sudden someone bought a theme for twenty nine dollars, and I have to support them for you know endlessly, right? And so I think on some level, and it's tough because no one wants to be the guy that says, I'm sticking to my price at regular price because then he watches everybody else, you know, undercut and go, you know, Black Fridays. And to be honest, the Black Friday for Studio Press were always, always the biggest money grabs for the entire year. So it always helped. And especially as we headed into the holidays, we turned a lot of that revenue into uh, employee bonuses and things like that. So on some level, we were almost sort of not forced into running them, but uh, it just became an expectation, right? You set a trend or a precedent that this is what Studio Press did every, you know, every year Black Friday. And then the year that you didn't, everyone's like, well, what's wrong with you? Why, why didn't you uh, do that? And so... Uh, pricing well, you is- also always had a lifetime, you know, buy, pay, pay for it only once model. Uh, which mm-hmm. was great for those of us buying. Yes. Uh, but <laughs> turns out, you know, not always to be so wonderful for the people. Well, so- my, my position I- on that, my position on that, Sandy, is that I think lifetime deals do have a place, but they they should be aimed at the professional audience. And it should be clearly stated, you get this deal, but we don't supply support. You you're the professional. You've got, you know, if the thing collapses, you can contact us and we might help you. But fundamentally, you're not going to get lifetime support because you're supposed to be a professional developer and you're supposed to be able to sort it out. That's why you're getting a fantastic lifetime deal. And I also think on certain days, just to increase cash flow, um, it's quite um, to me, it's quite okay to offer a substantial discount for a very small period of time. What I think, um, and I'm not picking on them, but one was iThemes. I just thought that iThemes in the end, mm. um, actually, um, they were the poster child of of discounting at you know, you just didn't know what the price of anything they supplied was going to be because they were always discounting. But it they did build up a very successful business and they managed to sell it to Liquid Web. So who am I to criticize? And what do you think, Chris? Has he got he's got I think he's got a, he's got off me, hasn't he? He's he's you're frozen again, Chris. I don't know what he's up to. Um so it's, it's shows, all it's all the snow on the lines up in Yeah, I think it is actually. I don't think he knows. He, he looks very handsome in that static position. I love the glasses. 
Yeah, I do. He looks like Bonnet Bonnet, doesn't he? I'll save Stephen. What do you think? Discounts are part of like a marketing strategy. So if that is something that works into your business model, like by all means, do discounts whenever you want to do discounts. Black Friday is a great way to do it. Um, the one nice thing about doing Black Friday uh, discounts around Black Friday is that people are in a buying mood. And I have yeah. seen a lot of people pick things up that they don't ever actually use um, just because it's a good deal. And they think that in six months, I might use it. So I'm going to get it now. Um, and that's really where you can make tons of money, especially as like a software company, is people buying stuff and not needing that support later on. But if the discounts don't factor into your business model and don't create the profit that you're looking for or the profit margins, um, you there's it feels like there's this pressure, this expectation from other people that like you have to do a discount. Like you don't. Like be your own person, be your own company, and compete the way that you want to compete. If you're not doing discounts, you have to compete on a different level, and you need to find that that spot or that niche to compete in. Um, but if one company is a heavily discounted company and another company positions, positions themselves as a premium company and doesn't do discounts, I think you'll see two different markets going to both of those people um, and they can both play very successfully in that area. So, Sally, I think the elephant, Sally, I think the, there were some companies that offered lifetime deals with lifetime support. I think WooCommerce was one of those and... Oh, we got to, he's, we've got he's, he's behind. Oh, right, they've, they've, I always knew there was a relationship between Heather and uh, Chris. Does your does your husband know this, Heather? Uh, um, so is it a free? Oh, no, I'm not going to go there. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, sorry, Sally. Um, Sally. Um, <laughs> um, so lifetime deals with lifetime support. Um, I think WooCommerce found. That was not well, a fantastic uh, idea. I was mean, it? Even, even Studio Press is moving to an annual subscription model. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had some uh, discussions uh, uh, with uh, some of the team over at, at WP Engine about some of it. It's like, yeah, you got to make it clear to me, like, where the value proposition is if I'm going to pay that, because compared to similar things. Uh, you know, uh, that also do have, you know, annual subscription fees, uh, that's a high fee. And I don't know what is what is in it that I'm, you know, going to be getting that I wouldn't otherwise be getting. And and it's like, if it's, if I know it's worth it to me, I'll, I'll pay for it. I, I mean, I, I want people who make things I like to stay in business. If what they need to do is change their business model so that they don't go broke, uh, offering support of a of a kind that they can't afford to, uh, because you know they never thought that they would be that popular or you know what whatever, uh, then you know that happens. There's it, it, people will grumble. I may be one of the people who grumbles. Uh, people complained a lot when WooCommerce changed, but you know when Elliot Condon switched the business model for new uh, purchases of. ACF Pro, people mostly uh, uh, applauded him and, and some of the old uh, customers, despite being grandfathered in, you know, went and paid for the new license. Uh, yeah, I can see why you're using that. But I think that was, that, that was not, I wasn't going to say unusual, but I think he, it was priced so ridiculously cheap when he did it. And he's such a great person and he's got such a great Yeah, reputation. I mean, if people don't like you, they're not going to do that. Uh, so you can't count on everybody falling all over themselves to give you more money. It's a, it's a bit like I'm not I'm not gonna and I'm not gonna inflate 
Brian's ego anymore, actually. But it's a bit like if Brian did something, you know, Brian's built up a lot of um, community goodwill over the years and he's seen as a fair and decent guy. I hope your ego's building up, Brian. Uh, um, Yeah, thank you, Brian. Um, But, you know, like when he does something, he's going to get a much different response than some other people in the WordPress community, isn't he, Sally? Yeah, and I think, um, you know, there's more likelihood of complaints when it's, you know, it was automatic that bought WooCommerce and and after that, that the prices went up. And and it was the way, also the way they did it, you know, it was as tactless as automatic normally do most things. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, communication is important in these situations. Something which they've not been fantastic at. So, Brian, I know you've got to be off in the next five six minutes so um what do you think of some of the points the panelists made and i also think the last point communication is a good point because some people you know and i don't want you you know put you in a spot but the way that one well, gonna try actually but automatic are um the way they dealt with the price increases and the getting rid of the kind of agency level plans when it comes to WooCommerce. It was done in their normal um, lack of communication, I would say. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I know that the one precedent I always wanted to set at StudioPress was always default to generosity, which is uh, actually a, a coin a term coined by uh, ConvertKit. That's one of their their um, their values is just always always giving people the benefit of the doubt. So anytime we made any changes, whether it was price increases or uh, you know, at one point we tried making Pro Plus recurring and stuff like that. We always grandfathered people in. That was just that was the default, and it was a non-negotiable. So whatever we did moving forward would have uh, always benefited those who were sort of in in the rear view. Um, here's a very interesting, and this was uh, an, a very eye-opening uh, encounter when WordPress.com started selling premium themes years ago. We were one of the sort of the early adopters that they wanted to have in there. And so I, I remember I was going back and forth with Matt Mullenweg about pricing. I was like, well, how do you price this, right? Because you think WordPress.com. And so you immediately start thinking like $5 for, for a theme because it's just people who are used to free and all this other stuff. And he says, you can price your theme for $5,000 if you want. And I, and I was like, ha ha, funny. And he's like, no, I'm serious. He's like, it, it literally, you price it however you want. And it's the perceived value. You may only sell one or maybe zero, but it's an open market from that perspective. And I and it, it was a, a sort of a jokey thing back in the day, but then like it's always been something that has stuck with me. And especially now as we, you know, are launching our new endeavor, like pricing is very much reflective of the brand. And if you're always, if you're seen as a discounty company, there's some some hit you take from a reputation standpoint, like, oh, they're the ones that are always, there's always a deal or I can always get it for less or I can Google, you know, studio press discount codes and look 50% off that kind of a thing. There's a reputation hit you take by sort of playing that game. Uh, and so as we do our next thing, we, we feel very confident in what we're building and we realize there's a market for it and we're going to price it a certain way. We will have introductory pricing, which is different than discounting. Yeah. This is a sort of like, a in, you know, a beta group um, sort of a thing. Uh, And then we're not going to discount, you know, and in fact, there will always be a potentially higher price. So get it at our full price now, sort of a a mentality. Um, But yeah, pricing has always been, uh, especially with us at Studio Press. I remember I did a, uh, when I was leaving uh, uh, WP Engine and all of that, 
uh, I did an interview with WP Tavern and uh, Jeff asked, like, what was your biggest regret? And the biggest regret from Studio Press's standpoint was that we were transactional, that we never went and did the switch to recurring. Even when WooCommerce did stuff like that, um, everybody, like, we kind of paved the way to starting it, but we were the ones that never went there. And I, I remember so many conversations internally. I'm like, guys, we have to do this. We're going to get crushed. This isn't going to sustain and da-da-da-da-da. Um, and and the, the the response was always, well, it's the gateway into the kingdom, right? Because we had other products that we were selling sort of within the copy blogger uh, infrastructure. And I remember even just as we were trying to negotiate with WP Engine, I mean, at the end of the day, it was their their response was, this is transactional. Like, Tomorrow, this could all go away. There's no expectation of revenue and stuff like that. Uh, of course, we had a 12-year history of it. But still, uh, I, and the problem is like everyone's a Netflix now. Everybody wants to be recurring because that's what the companies that acquire you want, That you know all of those things. So I think everyone, I think there are people who are offering products that really even shouldn't be, but they're like, hey, join my membership and do this every month or every year. And so pricing is a is a can of worms that's very much... Pandora's box, you know, when it comes to what's the right way to do it. Well, thanks for that. I think you've got to be off now, Brian, haven't you? Yeah, I've got, uh, got a few few more minutes. I'm good. All right, great, right. Well, tell us when you've got to go. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you come back. Um, I did offer Brian to come on as a regular, but he's um, busy. But I think I think you're okay periodically coming mm-hmm. back on the panel, aren't you? But yep. you're busy with your new enterprise, which yep. is very understandable. Um so let's go on to the next story, um, article, I should say. WordPress 5.6, beta for delayed, auto-update, implementation changed. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too surprised. Um, let's hope, I wonder if old Chris is ever going to come back. Maybe, they, maybe he didn't pay his cable bill. Right. Know. Well, we, this is like where we need to cue the entrance of, of Spencer and uh, some of his remarks about... Well, he's joining me in an hour's time for an hour's webinar, so he's relaxing his voice, actually, Sandy, uh-huh. as, as I see. So there we go. And, like, spending three hours with me is a little bit... Would would, would be just a bit too much, yes. It would, uh, be, would, it would be, wouldn't it? Uh, Rob, that's very tactful from you, Sandy. I really appreciate it. So, <laughs> um, so I, I swear I've spent three hours with you before, Jonathan, and I survived. We, sh- we shouldn't go there, actually. Um, uh, so, um, so, um, Sally, um, what did you think of this story? Well, um, you know, auto-updates being a potential issue is hardly something that should surprise anyone. And, of course, we had that little uh, bump with... Um, <laughs> 5.3, uh, 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 where, uh, you know, some people... You could got, call it a bump, but you don't run a service support company, do you? Uh, right. Well, I was fortunate that, that you know, I got the actual real update to 5.3, which was released, you know, not too far after that. You lucky uh, woman. And, yes, and not the bizarre uh, alpha update. But clearly, um, that's a little demonstration that things are not quite ready for prime time yet. And it makes sense to me to delay releasing something until it's ready rather than try to shoehorn it into a release to meet a schedule which is arbitrary in the first place. So what do you think of this, Stephen? I think how wide I understand for security patching and, and, and it's not, nothing is black and white. Uh, most things are not black and white. Um, there's always, it's always a, like shades of gray, when it comes to most things, 
Um, so, but I, I've never been a great opponent, apart from the security patches of auto updates. What's your feelings? Uh, I personally love the idea of auto updates. I think it's a necessary thing to keep uh, the WordPress community moving forward. Um, there's a lot of problems and a lot of grief that happens when people don't update their stuff. And then when they try to update it and you're skipping two versions, all of a sudden nothing works because nobody's built a migration path across that many versions of like a plugin or, um, I mean, WordPress core, I've never seen that being an issue before, but just the idea of auto updating everything, um, yeah, I think is a good premise, but there is growing pains because for years, WordPress has never done this. Developers haven't thought about this as they've built things. Um, and so of course we see some weird things that are happening that are frustrating, but I think that in the long run, give us, you know, two, three years, auto updates will be something that happens a lot smoother. People will know what they have to think about before they push an update for their plugin or WordPress pushes an update out. Um, and once everybody gets on the same kind of bad wagon, I think it'll be a beautiful thing, but until then, you know, we hit some bumps and some snags along the way. So what do you reckon, Brian? I, I'm totally disagree with Stephen. I, I think it's the devil. I think it's the devil's brew myself. But what do you reckon? You know, just like everything, there's there's two camps, right? There's the you know the the security exploit camp, right? You got to protect the integrity of the WordPress brand, even by not being the target of these things. So on some level, people who are rolling WordPress 2 point something, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Uh, I know with us at StudioPress and Genesis, we thought about doing stuff like that. We always defaulted to, you know, user-generated uh, uh, updates, um, even if it's just clicking a button. Uh, I, I, I don't know that I love the idea of, I mean, WordPress core doing that is a little bit different than like a plugin or a theme doing it where there, there potentially is more user or developer sort of overriding going on where there might be more instances of, wait, you know, this theme auto update and I lost my CSS or, or something like that. So with WordPress, I think it's a little bit less of a, of a thing. It's still a little bit creepy sometimes. Um, you know, however, I will say that there are the managed hosting companies are starting to sort of introduce all of that, right? Which is, Hey, your site has been, you know, we've updated your site for you. Of course, that's sort of the nature of managed WordPress hosting is that you as the consumer don't have to worry about it. So they sort of vet that. And you hope they've tested it first. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's, there's, there's pieces of, of that that are, that are going on, but I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I saw the snafu and I was like, Ooh, that sucked. <laughs> you know, when that happened. What's interesting is uh, it seems like a lot of people are starting to implement like visual testing like where you take you update the staging you update and then you test this like visually compare the staging to the live site like through a computer algorithm decide what the percentage difference is um, and like cpanel just released i think a wordpress kit thing that does that uh, where mm -hmm. it will automatically update things in staging and then visually compare and then if there's an error it'll be like hey human go fix this while. what do you reckon heather first of all how's your shoulder heather are you still taking drugs or? Uh, or? Yeah, no, no drugs, but uh, yeah, no, it's sore, especially with the cold that's come in. Um, I don't know how cold it is in Reno, but it is uh, it's very, it's a very lot cold. more colder than Las Vegas. I, I, I don't know. 
I mean, it, it, it hit zero Celsius here. Uh, oh, it's, it's well below zero at night here, um, Heather. You wouldn't like it, I don't think. <laughs> uh, um, got, any, got any remarks about this one? Or shall, shall we go for our break and on to the next story? Yeah, j- just a quick remark. Like, yeah, the whenever there's an update, uh, I do have to go through manually. Like, I mean, I, I, I have, like, Pingdom and, and other things checking my site, but I, I have to check every page to to make sure that it is working i mean all all the the crucial things like we have all these backlink checkers that that are are checking to see like oh is the page up well just because it's up doesn't mean that it's there that it's not broken (laughs) yeah so just just because it can be pinged doesn't mean that like it's it's displaying properly that it doesn't have debug code showing at the top and and uh, that the forms all work. So um, there needs, there's, there's definitely a business in, in uh, that beyond like what, what I generally do that have like a whole slew of interns going through and clicking every site. I think we're going to go for our break and Brian has to go. Um, We will be back in a few moments with a a decreasing panel, but hopefully the, the few that are left are going to stay with me. We will be back in a few moments, folks. LaunchFlows turns your WooCommerce website into a selling machine. We make it easy to create gorgeous sales funnels, no friction checkouts, order bumps, upsells, downsells, and much more. Gain full control over your buyer's journey from the top of your WooCommerce sales funnel all the way to the bottom. Best of all, you can use your favorite page builder, such as Elementor, Divi, Beaver Builder, Gutenberg, or one of the high-converting templates we've included inside. Get rid of the clunky WooCommerce shop pages and checkout process in favor of an optimized buyer flow that instantly increases conversions and makes you more money. LaunchFlows provides one-click order bumps that increase the total value of every sale with a 10-30% to 30% conversion rate. This is perfect for anyone offering complimentary products, training, or extended warranties. With unlimited upsells and downsells, your buyer's journey doesn't need to end at the checkout. Instead, we make it easy to display a series of additional offers as part of the original transaction. This is perfect for one-time offers, related products, mastermind class offers, high-ticket software sales, or subscription supplements. Not an expert? Don't worry. We've got the training and the consultation you need. WP Launchify will teach you how to get the most out of LaunchFlows with personal consultation on WordPress, WooCommerce, marketing automation, and much more. If you want to earn more money with your WooCommerce online business, you owe it to yourself to try LaunchFlows today. What if it looks like Chris is... I'm, I'm showing off these five there. It looks like he gave up on this, Chris. He must have, he must have had major... Technical problems. We just got fed down, maybe. Sally, is right. that a bangle? Pardon? Her cat. <laughs> is that a bangle? Oh, okay. oh, bangle. Oh, I uh, thought it was a bangle. Oh, the, the clink clink? No, that's the kitty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. Actually, have a, it, if the cat appears consistently in the show, my figures go up by double. You know, <laughs> so, I'm or, or, cats. So obviously the audience is more interested. I learned very quickly the audience is actually more interested in cats. Uh, um, so there we go. Let's go back. 
We are returning, folks. Unfortunately, Brian had to leave. To, like I say, he had a, a slight family emergency to deal with. Nothing too, um, nothing too um, worrying. Um, so we go on to story four. Um, and Evanto passes the one billion in community. This is the story, Heather, that I put in the last minute and didn't tell you about. Um, that's nasty of me, but there we go. Um, but I don't normally and do that. And here I've been trying so hard this week to not drop anything else in the... <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought, I thought it, it was something that had to um, be spoke about. Um, first of all, they've got to be in dollars, which is mind-blowing, isn't it? And also, they seem to be um, consistently wanting to poach the clientele of, of the poor people that use their platform. Um, what do you reckon about this one, um, Stephen? If you look at any sort of marketplace, that's generally the trend. I mean, like Amazon, right? Like they wait till somebody makes X amount of money off of selling batteries and then they do Amazon basic batteries. Um, it's just kind of like the next move. Um, it's always a struggle though, trying to make sure, I'm sure it's a struggle, trying to make sure that your customers and your users and everybody is you know, somewhat happy, but they're generating a ton of revenue and they've created an entire marketplace that wasn't there before for themes. So somebody that is selling a theme can do so faster and easier and handle licensing keys and stuff. Um, and so just in creating that marketplace, like even if they are marketing their own thing, like we can see they've created a billion dollars worth of revenue generated by uh, developers building plugins or whatever for various different things, designers. I mean, they have tons of assets in all different areas. So um, I think it's cool that they hit that milestone. Um, and it'll be interesting to see as they keep building out their own products and see where it goes and if it disenfranchises their customer base or not. Oh, I've got a tip for my listeners and viewers. If you want, if you want to move outside a really big city, but you want ideal internet connection, you want to choose a state that's not that populated, but then move to the state capital of that particular state. Because the bureaucrats there will make sure that they've got superb internet connection. The rest of the state can go and fuck itself, but they'll make sure that they've got great internet connection. Um, and you, so you'd be okay. You won't you won't drop out of your Zooms. I just thought I'd give you that tip, listeners and viewers. I, I, uh, Chris does not want to be in a city, however. <laughs> well, no, you do just, you, well, normally the capitals of these depopulated states, they're tiny anyway. Uh, um, so they, they're not the normally the main city of the state. Nevada is the perfect example. Heather lives in the biggest city of Nevada. I live in the capital that's got about 35,000 people, but all the state state um, buildings are in Carson City. But I just thought I'd give you that tip, listeners, viewers. So, um, sorry, um, Heather, what did you think of this story? I didn't read it. <laughs> no, well, I'm going to let you off that. Uh, Rob, I'm going to let you off that one. Um, so, um, Sally, what did you think of it? Well, it does sound like that situation that that we're hearing about with Amazon, um, which suggests that, you know, from Envato's perspective, it's the intelligent move for them to make. But the, you know, it was because of the marketplace uh, that it got its, uh, you know, that, that it got to where it is. 
and uh, so that kind of cannibalizing the the uh, uh, <clears throat> the marketplace uh, uh, plugin and and theme authors, uh, it gets to be a little awkward. And you know, you hope that they can reach some kind of uh, arrangement where the people who have been selling through Envato uh, are happy uh, because otherwise eventually somebody else is going to set up a different marketplace and people are going to start moving there. And then there is going to be less for Envato to offer in their subscriptions. Well, it does seem a trend, doesn't it? uh, And Envato is uh, well known, but they're not Amazon. So it's it's not like people have no other option. That is true. That's very true, actually, because I was thinking, you know, Apple had a bit of a, with like with the Basecamp people, you know, they had a little bit of a scraping with their community, you know, obviously Amazon, but you made a good point, they're no Amazon, are they? So there's always the possibility of somebody else, even though it's... As, as long as they do it before Envato gets to, to be, you know, uh, uh, at the Amazon level of... Uh, too too big a head start. Well, I'm just thinking in, in in the market that they're operated in, they they probably are too big now. But who knows? So, um, and by the way, Heather, um, not reading a story never stopped any of my other panelists passing, <laughs> a, passing a, opinion on a on a subject. So you should should disqualify yourself because you weren't allowed to read it. Like I say, it never stopped any of the other panellists. It never stopped me about remarking on something. So um, on to story five. WordPress 5.6 will ship with another major jQuery change. Oh, God. Do you want to comment on this one, Heather? Uh, um, I hope it doesn't go the way that the last one went. We've had a bit of um, recently... um, the updates and, and the mythology of updating the core hasn't been as good as... It's been pretty rock solid for a long while, and then we've had a turbulence, that's the way to put it. We've had some turbulence, ever. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, whenever you're updating anything, uh, I mean, so there's a lot of people that that have the auto-updates turned on and they just trust them and and everything works fine. And, and that's good because the beta track is really good. But, um, and that's again, from the earlier story to make sure that like everything's okay, uh, before it it gets into the main track. Um, so yeah, I I mean, it, it, it sounds like everybody's doing their, their due diligence before everything gets into the main, main track. So, uh, I'm, I'm not too fussed about it. What do you reckon, Stephen? It's a necessary thing, right? Keep pushing JavaScript forward. I mean, we can't stay in the dark ages forever, but uh, I've had several people reach out when uh, they updated their WordPress and be like, hey, my site completely broke. Um, It's like, oh, well, I know exactly why that is. Like, migrate isn't there. jQuery migrate isn't there anymore. And so you saw a plug-in, everything's back to normal. But the problem that uh, several of our customers are in is that they had custom themes developed by shops that I think no longer exist or they don't have a relationship with anymore. And really, if they're going to fix this issue, they're going to have to rebuild a custom theme again. Um, 
probably almost from the ground up because there's a lot of user interaction stuff going on that is built on really old jQuery stuff. Um, and people often have this idea that like you build it and it's going to work forever on the internet. And that is not the case. Like the internet is a living, breathing thing that is always changing, always evolving. And if you just build something and let it sit, eventually that thing is going to stop working and the user experience is going to degrade over time. Um, I think it's a good move. I like how WordPress has planned it out. I like how they've communicated it. But a lot of people don't listen and a lot of people don't care until their websites stop working. Um, and knowing... Well, you know... I, you know, I, you know I they, they said, try to install, install another jQuery plugin to try to keep it going for a little bit longer until someday um, the whole entire you know website goes down. And then what do you do? Try to rebuild the theme as fast as you can? Like it... If, if you don't pay attention to things now, it's going to just get worse and worse as time goes on. And this is a great article that just kind of talks about that a little bit more. It, it is kind of tough, though, because it's like, all right, you would hope that the developer community, you know, the ones who are still actively making the themes and, and plugins would be paying attention to this, uh, would get some of the warnings, would start trying to either upgrade, th upgrade things or, you know, rebuild them or retire them or, you know, whatever the best choice for them is. Uh, <clears throat> but of course, there are a lot of people out there who uh, they're not like part of the WordPress community. They're, they're not tuned into the news. It, it would be not that easy for them to hear that this was happening or to have the faintest idea what it would mean uh, that jQuery is, is changing. And then, you know, suddenly their site updates and it's broken and they don't know what's going on. And yeah, maybe there are things they have installed that are not supported anymore. And uh, they run into trouble. And Jonathan's probably seen a lot of more, a lot more of that than than I have. But you know, I was recently uh, uh, checking on on something for a client that I built a site for in 2012 or 2013, a long wow. time ago. Um, in internet years, and are, it's like, are. whoa, there's there is stuff on your site that like has not been updated <laughs> for like probably since. I mean, it's just like it wasn't that the owner wasn't installing updates; it was that the you know those particular uh, plugins had been discontinued at some point, and so I you know replaced a bunch of them with you know similar things that did. But if if you haven't got anyone knowledgeable i mean if if something simply is is not being updated you don't get the same sort of warnings as you do when there's an update for something and you need to install it well like i took over one client recently and look obviously i'm not going to name it but it's a large it's a quasar profit non-profit organization one of these strange American concoction of private and public. You oh, know. We do have some odd categories of business. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Um, it's a national organisation. And um, like I, was, I went in, we went in, and it's really important, their website, because it, they tick all the subscriptions through it and everything. And I said, where's the documentation? <laughs> they said to me, oh, what documentation? I said, right. well, uh, Rob, I said, you know, about... Uh, well, yeah, no no doubt that when they hired whoever built it, they didn't want to pay for documentation or no. training. No, no, but, you know, first of all, listeners of views, you should get some documentation developed, so, and just don't re 
rely on one person in your organisation? What happens if they get disgruntled or they leave? Secondly, I just don't think that's a great idea. I think you should have a support company. I would say that. Obviously, I'm biased, but it's my honest opinion. You know, if the website is actively making you reasonable money, you've got to treat it. Um, any business needs maintenance, updating, equipment, um, anything. Yeah, maintenance on your freaking photocopier, you know. Exactly. You know, it's no different. Uh, um, so I think we go on to story um, six. Or have we got enough time? Or shall we go in? No, I think we better we better go for our recommendations of the, or what do you reckon, panel? I think we shall we touch on story six. And, sure, let's. I it, mean, it's a it's a it's a lengthy article, but we may not have to be. Uh, uh, we may not need to be doing quite such a perorating in in our discussion. So, what did you think of it, Sandy? It's a typical one from old, from um, from the master of SEO. Uh, um, but it's a, it was a little bit long, but. Um, he tends to waffle a bit, but it, there tends to be a bit of truth in what he says. What did you reckon about it? Well, I, I can pro- possibly sum up uh, uh, <clears throat> the article in two words. It depends. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, and of course, that's, a, you know, that, that's an old consultant's joke anyway. I, being a consultant, of course, uh, I, I'm in favor of hiring consultants for appropriate tasks. Uh but it's, you know, I think he's got a decent breakdown of areas where it makes more sense to hire employees and areas where it makes more sense to work with yeah. consultants. Although it's it's interesting that he suggests, um, you know, somewhere he has a list of, of ta- tasks that are kind of appropriate for consultants. And the way he describes them seems a little odd because it, it, several of them are ongoing types of tasks including SEO it's it, it's not like it's a like one and done uh thing uh but uh you know and he includes a bunch of responses from people who've um said hey but you know this is you know this is why we prefer employees to consultants and i have personally run into that issue about you have to um, you have to manage how your internal team is going to respond to hiring a consultant yeah. and uh, you know the degree to which that may be you know especially hiring a consultant for something that you would otherwise have had that team do uh, and the, the politics of it uh, can be tricky and it can be tricky for the consultant who, probably has no idea of internal politics. I mean, you know, you can guess that there might be teams whose toes you were in danger. I'm going to throw this over to Heather, who's got an extensive uh, amount of experience, but the little little bit of experience I've got of it, it, the politics of any organisation, as a consultant, you've got to grasp that as quickly as possible. Uh, um, Heather, what do you reckon about this article? Yeah, I mean, again, it depends, like Sally said. Uh, You have to know when, like what role needs to be a full-time employee, uh, what type of company that you are, and um, when when the value is to bring in a consultant. So um, one of the things that my my longtime business partner likes to say is, uh, if you you were stranded on a desert island, 
uh, or deserted island rather. And um, you had the option of having a coach, a mentor, a consultant, or a um, a contractor with you. Like who would you have to help you get off the island? And you can have all of them at different parts, but only one at a time. And like figuring out who you need in your business at different points, like that's the key. So like when you first get on the island, like maybe you want that, um, maybe you need that, that mentor or maybe you need that contractor right then because you just need somebody that can like do the job really quickly to, to get the, the, the wood to help you strike, strike a fire. But then you need like a consultant to help you strike a plan so that you know, like, okay, here's the roadmap that I'm going to follow because you've done this before. But then eventually you just want like a coach to help you keep going every day <laughs> while you're, while you're following that plan. Uh, because like you, you already had the contractor to get like the little stuff done and you already have the plan set out by somebody that's done it before, but, but like eventually you're going to get off the Island yourself. So it's knowing at what point in your business do you need the, the right people? Oh, I thought that was excellent. I'll give you top, I'll give you top stars for that one ever. Uh, um, I think we just go. I'm going to cut you off, Stephen. I think we're going to we're going to go into the recommendations of the week. I haven't got one. I'm, but I've been quite good recently. I think I've got. I have got maybe a good one for next week. So, Stephen, have you got anything you could recommend to the listeners and viewers? Um, please say I haven't yes. Haven't stumbled across anything too crazy this week, except we did just. Um, launch a free trial so if you head over to zipfish.io you can will optimize your site um for free um and you can test it out for a month um to see if you um what kind of speeding increases you can get and then how that infect, affects and impacts your users um using your site um and if you can increase your revenue by that so check that out all right i'll make sure that's in the show notes sally you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers um I would recommend, I, I spent uh, two days this week at uh, Smashing Conf SF. Oh, yes, how, how was that? It was, it was terrific. And here's the thing. I mean, uh, by the time I was, you know, able to recommend it last week, of course, it would, you know, it's not likely too many people would have would be able to, to get to that one. But they have several. And they do online events really well. Uh, oh. my, my, only, uh, my only complaint is, is that hop in the... the uh, platform that they've been using does not have anything built in to handle your virtual background. Uh, so if I, but they are really good at getting people involved. They give you a lot of virtual swag. We all had these cute little badges with cats on them, and we were supposed to like you know trade them and and uh, uh, check them out and. Um, see you know whose badge matched who else is you know who who had the same mascot character or 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 didn't or who had a who had a unique one um they gave me a burrito cat trying to uh, you know wrap my head around things yeah. which is which is pretty accurate and of course they're all um cat fans uh, uh what, what, what could you also well right so you know it was it was great for me so share you know share your cat or dog pictures in the slack channel 
um, uh, you know, a lot of good uh, Q&A and discussion. It tells you everything you need to know about the group you're with. Flaws of the cat. Was, you know. Well, you know, yeah, share your cats. Share a picture of the view out your window, uh, you know, your plants. Uh, so, uh, you know, there was, there was some opportunity for everybody, you know, you don't, you don't have to be a, you don't have to be a cat person, although I think that probably does make it, uh, make it easier. Um, somebody was doing a presentation. I only caught part of it on, uh, new dev tools in Microsoft edge of all places. Uh, and they were actually pretty cool. I have not had a time to uh, check them out because, of course, the thing that you need most immediately after a two-day conference is sleep. Uh, and I was impressed. A lot of the people who were doing moderating and hosting were in Europe. And, you know, it's like, and it's, you know, it's four in the morning for them. And they're still managing to be uh, fa fairly uh, perky and, and alert. Um, so it was, a, uh, it was a fun event. I met because it was, you know, theoretically the San Francisco area conference. I met a bunch of really cool people. Uh, in this area that I hadn't known before. Uh, oh, that's, that sounds great. So you would you would recommend? It I would say yes. Just go. I mean, find one where the you know that's happening at times that are uh, reasonable for for you, uh, and uh, you know, uh, uh, buy a ticket and go. It it costs much less to go to the online version than the offline version. So if you'd thought about going uh, previously, but it, it just couldn't fit in your budget, this will give you a chance. Um, it's, you know, it's never going to be the same as going to an in-person event, but I think they've done extremely well on keeping some of the spirit uh, and, and the feeling. Well, Heather, got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? Uh, I just want to recommend, um, like as Thanksgiving is coming up, uh, to go to your local CSAs. So, um, and I know that it's very difficult for, for people right now, um, as they're planning solo Thanksgivings, but, um, be, uh, be ever mindful of using our, our wonderful things like Zoom to have Friendsgivings, uh, with each other. Uh, so virtual Thanksgiving, um, there are a lot of restaurants that are doing like home kits uh, so that you don't have to cook a, a whole thing for your yourself uh, or your your smaller group that is with yourself. Um, and uh, then you can celebrate together on a big screen on your TV. So, um, yeah, just check out all of the options that you have available to help um, help your restaurants, help your local firms, help your um local people stay in business and um, stay inside. Um, I think that was fantastic. Thanks for that, Heather. I never thought of that. Um, well, um, so, Stephen, what's the best way for people find it, who wants to find out more about you and what, what you're up to in your services, Steve? Uh, head over to zipfish.io and run a speed test and see how fast we can make your website. That's great. And, Sally, um, what's the best way for people to find out more about you and what you're up to? Uh, if you can spell my name, you can find me. I am at Sally Getch on Twitter and Instagram, uh, WP Fangirl. Uh, most other places, WPFangirl.com is the uh, business URL. Uh, and so, yep, if you, uh, 
If, if you can't find my contact info, you're not trying hard enough. Okay. And Heather, how can people find out more about you and what you are up to? I am Heatheriel everywhere on the internet. So um, just look for Heatheriel and you'll find me. Absolutely. That's great. Thanks, panel. I think it's been a great show. Uh, obviously, we lost a few people on, on the whiny road of this episode, but it was great to see Brian again, and hopefully um, Chris will join us next week. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 